Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. Let's lift our hands to the Father. We stand in awe of you, Lord, of your greatness and your mighty working power. I thank you that your church isn't just surviving, but thriving. I thank you that despite a pandemic, you are still building your church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Your church will flourish. We declare it tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for all who have gathered in-house and online. And as we lift our hands, could you just say, Father, I'm ready to receive. Open my heart. Open my eyes. Help me to walk in faith and to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Well, it's a joy to be here with everyone. And uh, man, this worship team rocks. Oh, man, oh man. I love me some Koo How. <laughs> hey, since I was, uh, thank you, brother. You're good. Since I was with you last in 2018. Wow, it's been that long since 2018. I turned 60. I know what you're thinking. He don't look no 60. I want to thank you for thinking that. And my grandchildren total turned 11. 11 grandbabies. I know what you're thinking. He don't look old enough to have no 11 grandbabies. Let me tell you, how many have grandchildren? Raise your hand. Yes, yeah, some of you do. Grandchildren, God's reward for not killing your teenager. So if you got your teenager jacked up, let go. There's a better one coming. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Pastor Roe and Lisa, thank you. Thank you for having me. You got the best pastors, well, second best on the planet. <laughs> Man, I listened to your message it's a God dream. That was a powerful, powerful message. I was out on a run yesterday, and I listened to the whole thing. And, and what struck me funny when you were preaching, it sounded like you started to get a rap on. No God, find freedom. Discover purpose, make a difference. Come on. No God, find freedom. Discover purpose, make a difference. No God, find freedom. Discover purpose, make a difference. I'm too white. So... But, but uh, I love the message. It really touched my heart. Thank God you are not serving under a pastor who's just here to maintain. He wants to see the kingdom grow and multiply. So it's an honor to be here. It's an absolute honor to be here today. And thank you so much for your kind invitation. I love you dearly. And I, pastor, I may not pastor on Staten Island, but some of my heart is always going to be on Staten Island. So... <laughs> Yeah, I just love you, brother, and I just love Christ Uncensored, and I love what God's doing in your church, and we brought a gift with us to bring, remind me to double that when we're done, um, 
This is Generosity Sunday. And I love that, but guess what? Generosity is more than a Sunday. It's a way of life. See, God is a generous God. How many believe that? And he calls us to be a generous people. And when you live generously, I said, when you live generously, God blesses your whole life. Anybody want to bless life? Una vida bendecida. Hallelujah. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me just tell you this subject I'd like to talk about tonight. Generosity. It's all about the heart. Say that with me. Generosity. It's all about the heart. Is this verse still in your Bible? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Can I just illustrate it? I never, I, one time, I think when I was in Staten Island, I, somebody gave me a hot tip and I bought some stock. It tanked. But if you ever put your money in a certain stock, you know what people find themselves doing? Going online every day, checking that stock. They do. And you never cared about it before. But you care about it now. You know why? Because your treasure's there. And if anybody's been asking God to give you a greater heart for the kingdom... Put your treasure there. So how do we develop a heart of generosity? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, I see four things that we need to do. And, uh, and I'd like you to, if you have your Bible, turn it there. But if not, it'll be up on the big screen. And I discovered this in Deuteronomy chapter 15. There are four things that we need to do to develop a, a generous heart. And I think everybody wants to be generous. Am I right? But, you know, there are some enemies to generosity. The first thing, the first thing is that we need to deal with the selfish heart. We need to deal with the selfish heart. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd like to tell you that we're not selfish, but in reality, we're all born selfish. I said, we're born selfish. And you know what? I noticed that there's a word that you don't have to teach kids. Mine. You, who said it? Who said that? Yeah, so there's this word you don't have to teach them. They just say, mine. And then they get to say it with such a pitch that it touches a nerve in your lower back. Mine, mine, mine. And Luann, my wife was saying earlier, we have a granddaughter. That's, I think, the first word she learned. It was cute at first. And then she get, you know, mine, 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 mine. And then we have to get up and find that sound. You're probably watching, you know, who beat Bobby Flay, or you're watching House Hunters and wondering which house they're going to pick, and you hear this sound coming from the back bedroom, mine, 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 and you get up and you go, and usually it's a little kid pulling something out of the hand of a bigger kid, mine, mine, and, and, and there comes a point where as parents, we don't care about what's fair, we just care about quiet. And we say to the older kid, just give her the toy. And he says, but it's mine. I said, she's got things that are mine too. Just give it to her. <laughs> but we, and, and it's human nature. We just all, we, we tend to hoard things. There's a scripture in the Bible, Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says, there is he who scatters and he still increases. And there is he that withholds more than he should and it tends to poverty. And we really care about self. You know, we're, we live in a society of selfies, and we all take them. You know why they call them selfies? Because narcissism is too hard to spell. 
God wants us to grow out of a selfish heart. I asked you a moment ago, who wants to be generous? I think everybody, I think all of God's children, we all want to be generous, but we've got to deal with some enemies of generosity. And there's an enemy of generosity, and it's called a selfish heart. I'm going to take you all the way back to the Old Testament, and walk with me, if you will, while we look on this selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7 and 8. It says this, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of your gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, watch this, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. You know what he's saying before I read the next verse? He's saying when you see a need, open your hand. When you see a need, open your hand. Verse 9, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, watch this, don't miss this. The seventh year of release is at hand. Don't say that, God says, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. What's he talking about? The year of release was the year of jubilee. And so what God is saying is if your brother comes to you and he has a need, don't say, well, uh, if I loan him this money, and the year of jubilee comes. Now, the year of jubilee meant all debts were canceled. Now, God implemented this economic system where all debts would be canceled every seven years. How many would like to see that re-implemented today? Amen to that. So this guy, he says, don't think that the year of Jubilee is coming, and if he can't pay me back, I will lose the money. God says, don't do that. Don't think that way. You know what God calls that? He calls that selfishness. In fact, God equates selfishness with wickedness. He says, don't think that. If there's a need, open your hand wide. And God wants us to grow out of a selfish heart. Maybe the need there was his crops failed. And this man had vineyards and, uh, and wheat fields. And, and he says, if, if there's a need, open your hand wide to him. Listen, everybody. There's a need on Staten Island. I heard it in your message. And it's not about anybody's crops failing. It's about people's lives that are failing. And I heard the message, and you said, Jesus saw the need. If I could just translate this now from a man whose crops failed. But he said, when you see a need, a brother in need, and there are people in the shadow of the steeple, if you will, who are in need in Staten Island. And it's going to take generous people to meet that need. And Jesus saw the need. You know what the disciples saw? All they saw was what? The impossibility. But let me tell you something. (laughs) Impossible is where God is just getting started. There's a need on Staten Island, and people need to know God. People need to find purpose. They need to discover their purpose and find freedom so they can make an impact. And God said, when you see the need, and there's a need. I thank God for your pastor who, man, when he preached that word, man, it made me run faster. It made me run faster. There's too many, you know, you know six-foot icicles in pulpits that don't really care who are just here to maintain what is. But I thank God for the vision of this house. And it's not just a vision. It's not just a vision. I could feel it in the anointed message, brother. It's not just a vision. It's a burden on your heart. It's an ache in his soul to reach more people for Jesus. I remember what you said, and man, I got lit. If you, you don't misunderstand me. I didn't mean lit. I meant lit. 
I got these young pastors working with me. I said, Pastor, you may not want to say, I was lit. <laughs> and you talked about what happens when they open PS62 again. And the possibility of going back, but not everybody moving, but have two locations. And you said, you said something about, oh, Pastor, Pastor, you're just trying to split it up. And I thought, I was waiting for you to say it, so I'm going to say it. No, he ain't trying to split you up. He's trying to multiply the church. Come on, somebody. God is a God of multiplication. He wants to multiply his church. He wants his church to flourish in the year ahead. COVID can't kill the church. Praise God. Man, when you said that, that just touched my heart. It's not just a vision. A lot of pastors have vision without a burden. And if you have a vision without a burden for lost people, you just have a dream, a, a personal agenda. A vision without a burden to reach people for Jesus is just an agenda cloaked in a spiritual word called vision. You know, when Nehemiah built the wall, this isn't my notes, but when Nehemiah built the wall... The Bible says that he, when he saw the messed up wall, we're not dealing with broken down walls. We're dealing with broken down people. People that are addicted, people that are lonely, people that are hurting, people that are wounded. And I love the scripture that says Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. And uh, when Nehemiah saw the broken down wall, uh, he didn't just go start repairing it. That was the vision. You know what he did first? He wept for many days. Nehemiah wept for many days. People think the vision comes and then the burden. No, no, that's backwards. First, the burden for lost people. First, the burden. Say first, the burden. And then a vision. I can hear it in your voice, man. I can hear it in your heart. I can feel it in my soul, man, when I was running. And, uh, and there's a burden to reach people. And, uh, and Jesus uh, is the answer for the world today. Can I get an amen in the house? So there's this need, you know, there's this need out there. And in Deuteronomy, there's a guy whose crops failed, but in Staten Island, it's people whose lives have failed. And God says, when you see a man who's in need, when you see the need, get ready to open up your hand willingly. And don't make excuses like, well, what if Jubilee comes and he can't pay me back because i got to forgive him his debt. God said, don't do that. Don't think that way. It's not all about you. God said, when you see the need, don't harden your heart or close your hand. Did you hear me, everybody? Don't harden your heart or close your hand. Give willingly. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think God created giving? If I was to pass out a poll, a piece of paper, or have you text me, I think most of the answers would get texted back to support his work. Does that make sense? God created giving to support his work. Um, I'm sure that's part of it, but you don't really think, do you? <laughs> Did God need your money? You think the heat bill's too high in heaven this winter? Or that he ran out of gold to pave his streets? My Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and the gold are his. Uh, God did not create giving for his sake. He created it for your sake. And I'm going to tell you why. God created giving to work selfishness and greed out of our lives. <laughs> Is the microphone on? <laughs> 
Jesus talked a lot about greed, but almost none of us think we're guilty of it. Giving, more than any other activity a believer can do, works selfishness and greed out of our lives. We've got to deal with a selfish heart. Now, there's an area of selfishness that women never grow out of. I need a drink. I said there's an area of selfishness that women never grow out of. Well, at least my wife, she won't share her food. I mean, for real. We'll pull through the drive-thru, uh, you know, out on the road and get, you know, burger and fries. She'll get the whole value meal, you know, the burger, the fries, and the Diet Coke. And I'll just get a burger. And she said, aren't you going to get any fries? I said, no, I'll just have some of yours. And she says, oh, no, you won't. And then, when my burger's already gone, she gives me those little crunchy pointed ones at the bottom of the bag. And I'm praying for her, and I'd like you to join me. Even coming here. So she's got this Yeti cup. I took a drink of her water. She said, did you ask me? It's a little comical, but sometimes you've got to let people up for air. Listen. Generosity is all about the heart. And you may want to be generous, but we've got to deal with the enemies of generosity. And one of the biggest enemies of generosity is a selfish heart. And we need to deal with a selfish heart. And we always say, and you know what? Sometimes I'm generous and sometimes I'm not. Sometimes it's easy to give and sometimes I want to keep it all for me. Do I have a witness? Don't say amen. Oh, okay, might as well. <laughs> so we need to deal with a selfish heart. Number two, we need to deal with a grieving heart. Look what he says in, in verse 10. What, don't miss this. I know this is Old Testament, but walk with me. He said, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, giving with the right heart, the Lord, watch, if you'll give with the right heart and not grieve over it, God will bless you in all your works in which you put your hand. What? Did you hear that right? If we give with the right heart, God will bless everything you do. See, here's the problem now. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Grieving attacks us after we give. You ever give a large offering and then go home and the water heater broke? <laughs> and the devil whispers in your mind, you shouldn't have given that. Or some of you make a gift today. And I pray that God will stretch your faith. And I pray that you'll see the need around us. And you'll give. Uh, I just had a thought go through my mind. You'd think after preaching 35 years, Pastor Rowe, I'd just let thoughts go. But I just had this thought go through my mind that I'm going out to eat afterward and I don't have any cash. Well, looky there. It's a $100 bill. 
You better clap for your brother. I should have those thoughts more often. Hey, let's talk about this. Do you know why he got up so fast and gave me this hundred dollars? Because I gave it to him before the service. It's my hundred dollars. Watch. Do you think he's grieving over giving it to me? <laughs> Security. Do you think he's grieving over giving it to me? You know why? It was never his in the first place. And the reason we get grieve over giving is because we think the money's ours. We think it's ours. And could I remind you that we are owners of nothing? We are stewards of everything. Tithing and giving has nothing to do with percentages. It has everything to do with ownership. God owns everything. So I have a house and there's a retirement plan and uh, I have a car, the one we rode in on, the one that when we were riding, she wouldn't give me a drink out of her Yeti cup. God owns everything. And the minute I think it's mine, I'll probably get selfish. But when you understand that everything you have belongs to the Lord, being generous becomes so much easier. Can I get an amen in the house? So if we're going to be generous, we've got to deal with a selfish heart, and we need to deal with a grieving heart. I just had another thought go through my mind. I didn't check the clock before I started. <laughs> and everybody who's hungry is saying, shut up. we got to deal with a selfish heart, because if we don't, we'll never really give much. We'll be more concerned with what we're hanging on to. And number two, got to deal with a grieving heart. Stop grieving when you give, because it, it never was yours. Number three, develop a generous heart. Everybody say generous heart. Generous heart. So go to verse 14. I think it's going to be up on the big screen, right? Uh, number 14, you shall supply him liberally. Is it? No, it's coming up. That's okay, just listen to the short, white, bald guy. Dude, the man bun, I'm completely jealous. You not only have a great burden, you have a great bun. <laughs> there is no favorite place I love more than coming, leaving my church than Kuhau. Praise God. Listen, develop a generous heart. Verse 14, you shall supply him liberally. Everybody say liberally. From your flock, your threshing floor, your wine press, from what the Lord God has blessed you with, you shall bless him. God is saying, give liberally, generously, out of what I've given you. I want to drop this in your spirit. God is preparing Christ uncensored for greater things. So don't be surprised when he asks you for greater gifts. Or greater things. If God is preparing Kuha for greater things, don't be surprised when he asks you for greater things. I find there's three levels of giving in the Bible. Tithes, offerings above your tithes, and extravagant gifts. 
tithes, offerings above my tithe, generosity begins at 11%, and then extravagant gifts. But did you know I heard something recently? Most Christians never get to the first level. Tithing, first level, offerings above my tithe, and then there's extravagant gifts. Most Christians never get to the first level. And I heard something recently that the percentage of Christians in America who actually tithe and give a tenth of their income is between 5 and 7%. And I remember hearing your message, and you said, what would happen? What would happen? There's, a, there's something about that story, by the way, in John chapter 6. And I recently spoke from that story of the feeding of the 5,000. By the way, it was the way they counted back then, they didn't count, they counted men. And if you count, if there was a wife and two children, which back then they had four to five, there would have been 20,000 people there that day. And so if you, it's okay to say the feeding of the 5,000, as long as you understand it was 5,000 families. And, and so it's a much bigger miracle than you think. And, and in Luke's version, it says, and Jesus told them all to sit down in groups of 50. You ever wonder why? God is a God of order. And order always precedes multiplication. I said order always precedes multiplication. And if our finances aren't in order, if we're not putting God first... And we're asking him to bless it. But did you know that the bread and fish were all, they were blessed. Jesus blessed it. And he gave the same kid stopped by Long John Silver's. He got the two-piece with extra rolls. He's got this Long John Silver sack and gives it to the disciples. The disciples take it to Jesus. He prays and blesses it. Gives them the same five rolls and two fish back. I'm thinking Peter's saying, maybe you should pray again. But the multiplication didn't happen at the prayer of blessing. So you can pray over your money all you want. You can ask Pastor Rowe to pray over it. But he gave it back to the disciples and they began to give it away. And God always multiplies what you give away. The multiplication didn't happen in the prayer of blessing. It happened in the giving away. And I'm sure that Peter was like when he went to the first person, you know, he's probably going out here and say, now you could have eaten it. And that's what most people do, eat all their money before they... He probably said, okay, <laughs> just take a little piece. Just take a little piece. Just take a little piece. That's bread and fish. We're not making sandwiches. <laughs> and, uh, but they, I said, develop a generous heart. A generous heart. And I think somewhere in the giving away, the multiplication happened. I don't know. Sorry, I'm out of the camera's view. Um, they probably got down to the last crumb, Peter's sweating bullets, and just as he goes to hand the last crumb out, another loaf grows. Order always precedes multiplication. If you need your resources multiplied, start putting God where he belongs. And that's... Uh, order always precedes multiplication. And God, will God always blesses what you put in his hand. They put it in his hand. The disciples gave him the sack lunch. In Jesus' hand, he blessed it. And then he gave it back to them, and he says, now go give it away. God always blesses what you put in his hand. And multiplication happens in the giving away. I, I want to say this, though. I want to say this right here. I really didn't plan to go here, but um, 
Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources? It's a little weak. Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources? Now, I'm not into the prosperity gospel, give and you'll get, give and you'll get, give 100, get back 1,000. I'm not into that nonsense. Can't you just, can't you see, people are like, okay, I'm going to give this, so I get this. Can't you see God up there? Wow. My people are getting the revelation of getting. No, we need the revelation of giving. And do you notice that the disciples gave it away, but they didn't get any more than anybody else? I don't know how God will multiply your resources, but I'll tell you what, when they gave it away, 20,000 people were fed. I'm feeling God right here. Listen, listen, listen. 20,000 people were fed when they gave it away. The, the resources they had was multiplied, but it didn't come back to them. Now, God blesses you. He said he will bless everything that you do. But it would be all right with you if you, if you multiplied your resources and every need in the church was met? Would it be all right with you if he multiplied your resources and every missions group that you support, 13% of what comes in, Kuhau gives out? Would it be all right with you if every missionary you support was fully funded? Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources and you didn't have any more money in your pocket, but the need on Staten Island was met? He says, develop a generous heart. A generous heart. Here's the good news. If you get to the first level, which is tithing, you'll get to the second and third level. Why? Because the first level opens the windows of heaven. You know, David gave extravagantly. When David gave to build the temple, in today's economy, he would have given $867 million. But Jesus mentions another extravagant gift, too, in Mark 12, when a woman gave two copper coins. What both were extravagant gifts. And Jesus doesn't value David's anymore because a woman gave everything she had. And in both cases, it was extravagant, and God honored both because it was the condition of their heart. It's all about the heart. Can I get a witness to that? Everybody say it's all about the heart. But 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 and I think everybody in Kuhau and at Found of Life, everybody wants to be generous. But we have to deal with a selfish heart. And God implemented giving so he could root selfishness out of our heart. So if you're waiting till you feel warm, fuzzy feelings <laughs> to give, no. Give and God will begin to work the selfishness out of your heart. So deal with a selfish heart, a grieving heart. Develop a grateful heart or the generous heart. And I want to encourage everybody, I want to encourage everybody to begin to, to begin to give God, put God in the order. I think in tithing, I think he wants to see where he is in the order of our lives. I said, I think he wants to know where we, he is in the order of our lives. I like leftovers. He doesn't. <laughs> Let me finish up with this. Develop a grateful heart. How many minutes do I have left? Really? Ooh. See, I'm not used to 40. I said, how long do I have? Pastor Roby says, you got 45 minutes. I told my wife, I'm not used to that. When COVID hit, I went to 30. I'm feeling some freedom now, baby. <laughs> Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. It'll work selfishness out of your heart. And don't anybody say you're not, because at times I am too. We all are. There's a human nature that says, hang on. Remember that song? 
Let's hang on to what we got. You're too all young here. Um, develop a, finally, develop a grateful heart. Let me bring this plane in for a landing here. Verse 15 says, you shall remember. Watch this. No, let me back up. Verse 14 again. You shall supply him liberally. In other words, give generously from what the Lord has blessed you with. And then verse 15, he tells him why. You shall remember that you were a slave. You were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. And that's why I give you this command this day to give. Do you know what God is saying here? He says, I'm commanding you to be generous. I'm commanding you to be generous. And you know why? He says, you, he tells them why. He says, you need to remember there was a time you had nothing. And you were under the evil dictatorship of Pharaoh. And he treated you like you was nobodies and like, and you had nothing. And look now, you got vineyards and you're producing wine. You got threshing floors and wheat. Your barns are full. And before you think about keeping it for yourself, you better think back a few years when you was a slave in Egypt and you had nothing and was treated like a nobody. And you didn't get to where you are because of your prowess. You got here because I brought you here. I blessed you here and I've given you everything you got now let it go he says you were a slave you got to remember you were had nothing and what you have today is all because of me says the Lord and we were all let's bring it to 2021 we were all slaves to sin how many Christ followers in the room say amen out loud? Amen. I don't mean you're kind of sure. I mean you know that you know that you know that you know that if you die before you wake, the Lord will, soul will take. Say amen out loud. Amen. And you need to remember something. Why you got your money all tucked away. And I need to remember. And you need to remember when you're hanging on to all your fries. Selfish with your water and your Yeti cup, acting like you upscale. And I'm gonna tell you right now, them Yeti cups are expensive. I want you to remember you didn't even buy that Yeti cup. Somebody give it to you. And now you are with your ice in it, bragging about how cold it is eight hours later. Maybe you should remember that somebody gave you that cup when your husband needs a drink. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> And before we get thinking we're all that in a bag of chips, maybe we should remember that there was a time that we were a slave to sin and we were without God and had no hope in this world. And I love your mission statement, bro and Lisa. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And I know it's all comfortable now that we know God and we found freedom and we've discovered purpose and we're making an impact, but there's a half a million people that still haven't found God. Every now and then I get a reminder because of Facebook, you know, you can go back and see the lives of those you went to school with or grew up with. 
And I've seen those I went to school with, rode the bus with, die of suicide. There was a young man who lived about a half a mile up the road from me. I lived so far out in the boondocks, they had to pump sunshine to us. <laughs> I lived in the definition of boondocks. My town I grew up in was 6,000 people. We lived six miles outside of town. About a half a mile from my home, young boy I rode the bus with, and we used to dream together about racing motorcycles. And uh, I heard some time ago that he had was blitzed out of his mind. He lied down in the middle of the road and some car ran over him. And others I went to school with, um, their life was taken because of drugs or, or were in prison and I have to stop. Sometimes God needs to give us a reminder that that could have been me if it wasn't for his mighty long arm that reached down and saved a wretch like me. <laughs> I remember I was in by I, I was going out with this, this this crazy woman before you, baby. I mean, this is way before you. <laughs> At least she shared her fries. Um. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> maybe 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 I'm more messed up than I think. And um, now, where was I? Yeah, I was, yeah. And um, I was dating her, and I was going to broadcasting school because my first job was being a radio disc jockey. And uh, I went to some party one night, and I, I, somebody, I didn't figure it out until years later, somebody must have really messed me up and put something in my drink because I was, I was out of my mind. I remember getting in the car when I was in Buffalo, and I had an hour drive home. And the only thing about that hour drive home I remember was why I'm coming around a sharp curve. It's the only thing I remember, walking in the house, hoping my mother didn't see, but she was up praying for me. And I thought, I, you know, but I could have I died that night. <sighs> By the way, whenever you get thinking that God isn't helping you much, you don't have any idea how many times he saved your life. I wonder, I wonder if on that ride home, when I couldn't navigate the turn, if he didn't send an angel and just move that wheel right around the curve and... Uh, I wonder how many times you've been driving down the road and a drunk driver was coming your way and just before he or she turned the wheel and fell asleep into your lane and you could have died head on, God sent an angel and just pulled it right back here. I wonder how many times, like in, we lived in Staten Island, Chess Loop, down in a Richmond town, we woke up one morning and the, one of the outlets was black and it could have, we thought something must have happened last night. House could have burnt down. I wonder if God can't. Don't tell me what God can't do. Uh, I wonder if he said an angel in the middle of the night when two wires would cross and he just uncrossed them. Saved our lives because he has a purpose for me and he has a purpose for you. And you're not here today because you're cool. You're not here today because you're cool or that you were able to suck it up and get your act together. You're here today because God got you to where you are. It's not hard for me to give today. Sometimes it is. But generally it's not hard for me because I never got over being saved. I never got over God rescuing me. And could I remind everybody at Christ Uncensored, don't ever forget your testimony. You know, the need that we see around us motivates us to give. But more than need... 
motivating us to give gratefulness. I said gratefulness to God is what motivates generosity in my life. You remember when I was with you before, didn't I tell you that my daughter was messed up 10 years on heroin? Well, I haven't been back in a while. But I'd like to tell you today, and God knows how many times she was close to dying. God knows how many. She, she's been Narcan more times than, than we even know. And she almost died in my arms in White Plains one Sunday afternoon when I came home and hollered her name and say, Mina, Mina, where are you, Christina? We called her Mina, where are you, where are you? And I, and I went up in the room and her legs were crossed, Indian style. She was sitting there and all I could see was hair over on a pillow. And I pulled her head back and her eyes rolled back in her head. And she had a needle in one hand and she was a red mark in the other and I knew she had shot up. And I just called out God. I said, don't let her die, Jesus. The man was downstairs calling. I said, she said, I said call 911. And then after she called 911, she's calling on God. I'm calling on God. And uh, when, when, when they arrived, when they arrived, uh, she just like snapped out of it. And you don't, she said, they said, did you Narcan her? I said, no, no, we didn't. And God rescued her. And I don't know how many times she's been passed out in deli floors here in Staten Island and, and uh, in jail and just messed up, heroin messed her up. But I'm so glad that Jesus is close to messed up people. <laughs> and he reaches... And he reaches the addict, and he reaches the brokenhearted. And uh, today, today, she's married. Um, come on! She's delivered. She's set free. She knows God found freedom in Jesus. In Jesus. Her whole life was made new. Her whole life was made new. And we're giving God the praise. Man, baby, you ain't got to beg me to give a gift to advance the kingdom. You don't have to manipulate me and hound me to give a gift. God's been too good to me. Come on. How many God has been good to you? He saved you and rescued you all. Nobody's life is perfect, not mine, not yours, but I'm thanking God where I am today, and I thank God I can bring you this testimony today. I'll tell you what, need motivates, but more than need, gratefulness to God. Gratefulness to God is what motivates generosity. I'll just tell you, grateful people are generous people. Go ahead, have a seat. And... Uh, Oh, do you remember? Oh, my time's up. How many give me five more minutes? No, raise your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. <laughs> Come on, I think I used that three years ago. You still fell for it. You know, I remember there was a woman in the Bible. I'm not going to go to the scripture, but Mary. Remember Mary and Martha? Remember Lazarus, her brother? And about um, Jesus was there at their home, and Martha was serving. Lazarus was at the table, and Mary was there as well. And the Bible says that Mary took a very costly jar of perfume. <laughs> and she poured it over the feet of Jesus. 
and she wiped his feet with her hair. And uh, Judas was there too. And he, you could, oh, there's nothing more than the act of giving that reveals the selfish and the generous heart. The act of giving is what reveals, it pulls the curtain back. I don't know if I have a selfish or a generous heart. Because Judas says, oh, this should have been sold and given to the poor. You knucklehead. The Bible said he didn't care about the poor. He had, his, he had his hand in the money box and he took what was in it because the Bible calls him a thief. He just wanted to sell it so there'd be more money in the box so he could stuff his pockets. And when you read that story, it totally pulls the curtain back and it exposes Judas for who he is, the selfish man he is. And it exposes Mary's generous heart. And I have to ask myself when I read that story, what would cause Mary to give a gift worth 300 denarii? I know that means nothing to you. It meant nothing to me till I looked it up. It really was worth a year's salary. You've probably heard that. A year's, I've never, I've, I've never, you know, I've tied, I tied, I'm scared not to. I give offerings above my tithe. I've never given anything like that. A year's pay. It was worth a year's pay and she, and she broke it and she just poured it over his feet. And I wonder why, what would motivate her to be so generous? I think because two months before then, her brother was dead. He was in the grave, he wasn't in a coma, baby. He was dead four days. And Jesus came along, called his name Lazarus. You know the story. He came out of that grave. How, how would you respond if a relative of yours died and Jesus raised them to life? You'd be the first one up here with a check. <laughs> I think it was gratefulness that motivated her generosity. The act of giving more than any other act reveals the heart and it will expose a selfish or a generous heart. David gave $287 million. A poor widow gave two copper coins and Jesus honored them both. It's not the amount, it's the heart. And, um, and I'm done. And I believe in you, brother, sister. Don't say that. I'm not here because I don't have anything to do, by the way. I had already preached two services today. I'm here because I love you. And I still have a heart for this. And I, I love what you're doing and I love the burden that has produced a vision. Burden will always produce vision. If you've ever wept over lost souls, God will show you how to meet that need. So I believe in you. And I... I know that Pastor Rose is going to come up and we're going to have a time of, of generous giving. And I know we brought a check. Um, and I just want to give more than that. So uh, we'll double that. You take credit cards, right? Uh, and I, <laughs> I just don't have no more checks. <clears throat> and, and I know he's going to make the ask. But maybe I will too. I don't know what I think I, you said you don't have a goal you're just you just give 
Jesus gave us, God gave us his best. Let's give him our best. And not just because there's a need, but because you're grateful to God. Oh, by the way, Mary had her brother raised from the dead, but haven't we all been raised from the dead? And doesn't it say in Ephesians that you were dead in sin? But God, who is rich in mercy, and his great love wherewith he loved us, he made us alive. We were dead, but he made us alive. And by grace, you have been saved. Let's stand to our feet and give God a big offering of praise. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and lift up a shout of praise to God. I don't know what's within your means, but I'll tell you what, if you have resources, God gave you those for a reason. And it's not just to store up for a rainy day. It is a rainy day right now in Staten Island. And I want to encourage you to be generous to the kingdom. And not just on Generosity Sunday, but may generosity become a way of life for you. And I bless you and I thank you for having me here today. Thank you. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.